Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Man, I'm good. It's uh, rapidly approaching Christmas, you know, so everybody's life takes on a a, a Christmas light tinged uh, cast. And uh, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of chaos, you know, and and life goes on as usual, right? The all all my work responsibilities, all the family responsibilities. You know, someone still has to wash the dishes and do the laundry, uh, and, and so it's just uh, you know normal. It happens every year, but it always sort of grabs hold of you in ways you don't expect. I had my work Christmas party this week, which is a blast. They they do a really good job. And then last night we went to a Christmas ballet, which was fun. Babes nice. in Toyland. We took the kids and they were into it. I was blown away. Really? How long was it? You know, maybe an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half, something like that. It was, it was two acts, uh, an original, an original piece by the local ballet company here. It was phenomenal, and the kids were engrossed the whole time. I would look over at them a couple times, and they were just eyes open and focused, which we were nervous, right? Because they're five and seven, so attention spans are not right. strong with them. Yeah, it was good. But it's a new environment. It's something that's like really visually striking and it, it captures all your senses. You get this really, really great artistic background. You get people dancing, you get music. It seems, I mean, it's like taking a kid to a movie the first time you're nervous about it, but right, it it engages all those senses and you can get about 90 minutes out of a kid. No, totally. Uh, and and the the colors and all the sets were, were very um, juvenile, not to say they weren't professional, but they're they're targeted at kids. You know, you've got the candy cane forest. And, they dress up. Uh, they did not, and, and if, in fact, I think when we got there, they kind of wished they would have because there was a lot of the actors around and the um, the dancers, and I think they felt like it would have been a fun opportunity, or whatever. So missed opportunity, but whatever. It was cool. Always next year. Yeah, you, you know it's funny going to the ballet in a in a big city. You you see. You know, folks are in evening wear, you know, semi-formal evening wear. And, and if you're in a polo shirt, you feel like an asshole. Not the case in Eugene, Oregon. Nope. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, there were people that were that were dressed very nicely. And um, but then there were folks that just come as you are. You know, there's this one dude. He was Northwest wearing, casual. I mean, even worse than that. Sometimes there was this one dude in particular that I'm picturing. He was wearing a T-shirt basketball shorts and flip-flops which i don't think is acceptable wear for the grocery store not that i'm uh high style but i was like dude you you have gone out for the evening and that is that is your uh that that drives me nuts yeah it is what it is he drives me nuts (laughs) little pirate joke i like it i like it how about you man i'm good i'm on the mend i was sick all week i had this like just weird kind of out of nowhere i can't tell if it was like round two of that cold i had or if it was a whole nother disease that my kid brought home from school right uh and it just it took me out this week so i'm finally feeling better i don't know if i sound better you said i sound okay but i think you sound fine i yeah i just i was i'm always i'm always transfixed by your silky smooth mm, sultry <laughs> sultry tone uh so yeah i just i pretty much just lived off of dayquil and nyquil for the last week but i'm feeling finally feel better today yeah so you, did you do any uh scissor like the the grape cough medicine beverage no just dayquil nyquil and i went to we my family went to zoo lights last night in portland and my sister was like oh you should have been using elderberry 
and then told me how it'll like magically cure you, which I don't know for sure. I mean, I've never tried it, but I was like, well, now finally that I feel better. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, if you just uh, did elderberry and put some essential oils on your head and, and put crystals under your pillow, you would never get sick, I think is the... Is that the answer? That is the answer, yeah. Crystals, essential oils. And those essential oil companies, m- my wife, she's she's not a uh, full-blown subscriber to the magical pro- properties. At least I don't think she is. But the, those companies, doTERRA, they sell these essential oils, and they are not cheap. I mean, they're not expensive. But, they're. I mean, if, if you listen to some people, they are... The cure-all. The answer. Prevent-all. The answer. And then, you know, obviously, crystals is a, a maybe a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I pretty much just swear by Dayquil and NyQuil, extra strength, <laughs> right. or severe cold and flu. You, you know, Western, traditional Western medicine. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a thing, though, right? Yeah. Magical properties. And you know what? To be fair, I've never tried it, so... Yeah, it's easy to be skeptical. Um, I, I do feel like there's two type of there's two type of medicine there's medicine with proven clinical trial testing and there's medicine with largely anecdotal placebos yeah i mean i i I suspect that's probably most of what you're getting um which is not to say there's not a there's not a place for for non-traditional western medicine but you, you know it's telling to me that the results are are or the the support for that is largely anecdotal. Um, Versus you know. clinical, yeah. Yeah, that's right. What are we talking about today? Field watches. We're doing. We're, we're going to start our first series here. We're going to have some connected episodes. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through different styles of watches. We're going to talk about them. Uh, maybe not in a ton of detail, but we're trying to capture here is talk about these different styles of watches. Maybe not pros and cons, but just give a better definition to... These terms that you hear thrown around, whether it be field watch or, or pilot watch or driver or chrono, uh, just answer some questions about them. Talk about a few examples that we like of, of each of these styles of watches and uh, just dig in a little bit to a little bit to each of them. And I think it's important to note that neither Andrew or I are experts. I mean, we're not. Or maybe even qualified to be having the conversation. It, yeah, right. That That's right. We're, we're probably not qualified. So this is going to be uh, layman's exploration based on our our respective one to two hours of, of research and, you know, otherwise just co- commercial experience with these mm-hmm. watches. So we're going to mess stuff up if we do. Feel free to write in. In fact, I would love it if you corrected us on this stuff because that gives us an opportunity to a uh, round out our knowledge base and, and b to to have the conversation be more comprehensive because uh, you know some of this stuff you, you know especially with field watches what i found is there's so much variety so much yeah, uh kind of ambiguous very ambiguous very ambiguous you, you, you know there have been a number of well and we should clarify when we're talking about field watches today we're kind of talking about something specific i think and feel free to correct me um, because we don't coordinate our, our research efforts. But when I think of field watches, uh, I, I think of something kind of specific, a military spec or style, you, you know, or a style based on a military spec field watches. So, but, but really the category, at least colloquially, is a lot bigger than that. You know, folks will throw the, the Seiko Alpinist into there mm-hmm. or, or appropriately, I think folks will throw G-Shock or Sunto watches into mm-hmm. there. And, and 
they're they're worth mentioning in the conversation but i think based on based on our our sort of pre-rambling that we're both we're both targeting ours at like the military style field watch is that accurate i think so yeah that's because i i we even even when i came in i said you know i think the f91 fits the field watch definition and in the in the traditional sense of a field watch it doesn't because it's a digital watch but when you think about what a field watch is it's something that's sturdy it's lightweight it fits on a nylon canvas leather strap it's shockproof and it's easy to read and that captures most digital watches like you said g-shock it captures the f91 it captures sport watches which honestly are the modern field watch right i'm well, and I think the way we think of a field watch is a little bit anachronistic in that, you know, you have overseas experience. I've got military experience. We, you don't see folks wearing marathon, Mm-mm. you know, these infantry style field watch, NSN number field watches in in a service environment, <clears throat> which is not to say it doesn't happen. You know, every time this conversation comes up on a forum or something, people Oh no, they do, and they still issue those. And there's always going to be anecdotal disproof of general ideas. But my experience is that folks in the military are wearing sub one hundred dollar G shocks because they're cheap, they're affordable, they're going to get banged up, or Suntos, you know, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, a, a little bit more purpose driven a- ABC watches sometimes. In, in if there's a real need, Ironmans, totally, lots of Ironmans, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because it, like we discussed last week. An Ironman will do anything, anything you want it to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, water resistance, loom in, in the Lumabrite, or not Lumabrite, uh, in the Indiglo. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so people aren't wearing uh, CWC or, or Marathon um, GPQ or, or whatever. They're, they're just not. Or they're wearing garments. You know, now the smartwatches are coming into into big play. I mean, they're, right. they're, they're, a, real popular, they're a real popular watch for military folks um so with but but within that context it's okay for us to have the conversation about what a field watch is yeah. and but not be married to this idea of a of a mod number or an nsn number field watch i don't think i i think the conversation has evolved beyond that and, and we're going to evolve it beyond that with, yeah. with that said our focus is on the military field watch today or the military style field watch i think i think a better way to capture it is within the watch world definition of a field watch because i think when you say the military field watch i think that that shifts the conversation towards what service members are typically wearing i think we're sticking with the watch the the watch world definition of a field watch absolutely yeah good 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 sort of clarification there that's right all right all right man so do you want to you know i think you and i both looked at some like historical uh the the story of what is the field watch do you want to yeah, let's Start talk there. about it. So I, I actually almost bought an A11 on eBay yesterday. Uh, I opted not to because it was it was a little smaller than I think I would have liked to wear. I think it was like a 34, 36 millimeter. I think that's the spec. For 16 those. millimeter band on it. And it was just, it's, I wasn't in a position to buy a watch that I didn't feel like I would ever wear. And I think that's just a little bit smaller than I would, than I would really ever want to wear. You know, I'm looking here at, at the specs I wrote down. I don't know if this is right or not, but I'm looking at the specs I wrote down for an A11. <clears throat> 32 by 39 by 16 is what I have here, which makes that very little. Mm-hmm. I mean, 32 millimeters is smaller. I, I don't think I've ever tried on a, a men's watch that was smaller than 34. You, 
I you, can't think of any off the top of my tiny. head. That's mm-hmm. tiny. That's tiny. I, I don't think I don't think you would be happy with it. No, I don't think so. It would be a cool collector's item, but I'm not really in a position to be adding collectors display box items. I'd rather use life. that money for something that I'm going to wear. Yep. Well, so yeah, my my research into this into this, like I said, incomplete for sure, but. Uh, Military watches, I think the idea of a military wristwatch, again, caveat, correct us if we're wrong. We're going to talk about this as if we're confident. I'm not confident. I'm confident to the point of I'm not going to say anything that I didn't read. Right. Yeah, right. This is what I read. This is what our research. So 1879, Kaiser Wilhelm I, German Kaiser, uh, purchased 2,000 or so Navy watches. For you know his his navy service members, I say his for the German military forces. These are interesting. Uh, did you take a look at these? I didn't. So there, it's uh, one of the very first wristwatches. It's pre trench watch. I mean, this is were they the pocket watches that had the little the conversion band that were holding a pocket watch on your wrist? Basically, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have you know a closed top like a pocket watch would have, mm-hmm. but instead of instead of it being opaque, it had been cut out into like a grill. Um, oh, so you could see through it not very well. It's obviously obstructed view, but protects, but still had the effect of protecting the crystal. Super interesting watches. I don't know anything about them. And in fact, there's a kind of a dearth of information. I, I suspect there was only 2,000 of them made. Um, they were made by um, Gerard Perigo. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Probably. Anyway, Gerard Perigo. Well, that's, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Close enough. <laughs> and, you, you know, they're cool. They're cool. Uh, very little information about them. I, I couldn't. The models I, I saw all seemed to have leather, but I also read anecdotally maybe they came with a chain uh, that you wrapped around your wrist as opposed to actually leather. So uh, your mileage may vary. An interesting watch. The next sort of iteration in military watches, and I know you, you and I have already talked about this, but World War One, the advent of the trench watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know very much about trench watches, and it seems like, I, I don't know if it's time or whatever, but... A trench watch is kind of an amorphous term that refers to maybe something sort of specific, but you take a look at any of those? I didn't. So the I mine all, all of my research started at like the 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 World War Two kind of proliferation of field watches, and I think that's really where where field the term field watch starts. Um, but just just in terms of background, this World War One trench watch, these were not being ordered by and large by the services they were being ordered by individual soldiers and officers um who, who were actually fighting in the trenches so they were picking these things up for their own needs they were being sold by the company marketed as military watches trench watches campaign watches number of different things but these generally from what i've seen these all have arabic numerals in different styles styles that, that you would expect um and small seconds at six hmm wire lugs onion crown like you'd expect to see on a on a pocket watch mm-hmm. um and, and and right this is i think famously in, in our in our sort of modern culture the the watch that christopher walken this yep i, I you know <laughs> i, I lug this on un- uncomfortable piece of metal around uh so that's yeah i mean smaller more diminutive 34 millimeters i think maybe 32 to 34 millimeters these are small watches uh but kind of a neat thing but that takes us into the modern field watch, what we think of the modern field watch, which came about World War II, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, with the with the A11 starting to be issued to Allied forces, uh, Bulova, Elgin, Waltham, Hamilton, Hamilton. Yep, last one. Um, all making this pretty standard issue, similar appearance, easy to read, lightweight, small watch for use by service members in the field. I mean, with the intention of of surviving austere environments. And right at the same time, there was the british military defense g10 watch that i think similar in a lot of respects but those were the two watches at the time that sort of Mm -hmm. came about and there were other watches obviously german watches and japanese watches that are less prevalent now i i I suspect some of that is because it was in it was kind of bad form to have a nazi watch or a probably so yeah rising sun kamikaze watch you know uh post pearl harbor or something right yeah probably so right <laughs> but those those watches are pretty cool watches if if you can take out any of the emotion from what they were also cool watches but didn't really make don't really i think make it into discussion of field watches as we think of them today no i don't think so because i think i think field watches have tried to remain true to that very simplistic form of i mean this entire line of just black dial white numerals stainless steel case canvas nylon or leather band and i think that's the biggest difference between the trench watches and these more modern 1941 world war ii spec watches a11 g10 whatever the spec is is that they formalized it you know black Mm -hmm. dial arabic numerals you, you know the size the specs were formalized there were certain things left to the discretion of the manufacturer but certainly this is a military spec in the way we think of it today which is we're going to tell you basically what it needs to look like yep. and within those you manufacturer can can give us a product that we're going to like because because by and large in a democratic or or a capitalist economy the military is not making anything the military is using contracts and right. and i think that's what happened here mm-hmm you know f- those four american companies that you mentioned earlier and then the the g10 was made by is it 12 the dirty dozen swiss and german yeah. makers making these g10 watches but that you get this consistency that's fun and attractive and cool and we talk about the a11 watch which is not a watch at all the, no it's the, it's a it's a description of a number of watches a whole a whole right. variety of model numbers and makes and manufacturers that made a watch that fit certain specifications yeah very cool very cool so the a11 hand wound Mm -hmm. hacking 15 joule center seconds outer minute track with 10 minute marks 32 by 39 by 16 again caveat there may be differences to that but i think that's right um notched crown acrylic crystal Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons uh and i think that basically sets us up for you know what we now think of minus the size obviously mm-hmm. but what we now think of as the base parameters for a field watch I, I, you know when you have these online discussions some people are very very specific and militant to use a, an appropriate term Ooh. i think <laughs> <laughs> about what makes a field watch I, that that always annoys me because right in the field people are wearing garments and suntos and g-shocks so 
you know, f- fuck all that. Also, looking back, there have been so many iterations of these things yep. that it's like there's no definition of what a field watch is, but there are some things we can look at to be informative. Yeah, there's some things that make a field watch a field watch, and some things that if it has, it could still maybe be a field watch, but it could also fit into some other categories. And we'll probably we'll touch on that I think a little bit. But well, why not? Why not? I mean, for you, what is it that makes a field watch? What I'm looking, what when I think of a field watch, I'm thinking some sort of metal case. I'm thinking, although these resin cases from Marathon or CWC, I don't, I think are inclusive. I, I would include those in my definition. I, I don't think you're wrong, but when I'm imagining a field watch, I'm thinking a metal case. I'm thinking a high contrast dial in hands, Arabic numerals, and that's it. I'm, I'm thinking as as simple bare bones needs to watch as possible. There's no. There's no frills. There's no extra complications. You know, maybe a date, uh, maybe a day date complication, but as few complications, as few frills as possible, because this is a purely utilitarian watch. Yeah, no, that's that's right, and I think I'm I'm basically right on board with you. It's something small, small, not big. Anyway, forty millimeters like 36 to 40 millimeters and that that's my idea too something that's not and i will say i i consider my bertucci bt2 it's the it's the titanium the their b model which is they're more rectangular Mm -hmm. it's bigger than 40 uh and it's not a small watch you've you've worn that i think Mm -hmm. um it's a big watch it it fits the mold for me although i would say it's a touch big so um you, you know exceptions exceptions to the rules are all over the place it still falls into a field watch category but when i'm imagining a field watch that's not that's not where my mind goes and it's got it's got you know what i look for in a field watch although um the titanium helps it more field watch mentality for me it it, the titanium case makes up for the fact that it's a little big yeah because it meets that need even though it falls out of the parameters in another category and it's obviously constructed in a way to be not blocky or obtrusive on your wrist Mm -hmm. so um, but yeah, you, you had said metal, and, and I know you caveated that. We're going to say exceptions to the rule. W- one of the NSN number current issue, quote-unquote issue, military watches is the the Marathon. They're general purpose quartz. They make this in a resin case. They, they also make the Pilot, um, and, and I'll pull that up. They also make their Pilot's Navigator in a resin case. Uh, and these are both, without a doubt military field watches i mean these are military actually military spec models not that they're issue, issuing them in any in any practical sense um but so so i think for me it's not necessarily metal but sort of a subdued finish uh and, and i know some field watches my snk i've polished the bezel on it mm-hmm. and brushed the case sides because i hate i don't hate but bead blasted kind of irritates me sometimes especially seiko bead blasting and I think I wanted that thing to look a little bit more Hamilton khaki. Mm-hmm. Um, but but within, like, if it's a true field watch, I think it should be a subdued metal and not something high polish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right with you. Did I not think of anything? Is there anything that stands out for you in a in a field watch that that i didn't touch on no i think you, i think you nailed it. It, it it's such a it's such a anachronistic term that that i i think we can use effectively here but yeah no i think you nailed it keep your parameters a little wide 
it, mm-hmm. especially if you want to have fun with your collecting. If you want to be a an anal retentive collector, that that's maybe a different thing than what we do. Well, yeah, but it's also I think feel watches is almost a catch all term for a watch that maybe doesn't fit well into any of these other categories. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess maybe I do think you missed something, and, and it's not it's not a specification, but it's for me. Uh, a requirement and what what i want for a field watch it's something i want to be able to wear outside have a have some level of water resistance mm-hmm. and not feel bad when i bang it up yeah you, you know my my bertucci i bought that thing used and it was in very bad shape when i bought it and it hasn't gotten better over time um so when i am working in the yard or i know i'm going to be uh hands in the gravel or whatever <clears throat> That's the watch I put on because it's. I'm not going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. That titanium patinas and, and ages really well. Um, so yeah, that that would be my other requirement for a true field watch. Something that can be bumped and scratched and and wear it well and banged on, not bumped, banged up. Yeah, that's right. So A11, A- World War II era, that evolves into, at least in the United States, the A17. Sometime in mid-Vietnam, I think, mm-hmm. is when the A-17 model came out. I don't know for sure if the A-17 was the first model to have that 24-hour ring on the inside. Uh, or, you know, the alternate 24-hour right. time on the inside ring. But based on my research, that's when that became a thing. So sometime in the Vietnam era, because if you'll, you'll hear some people talk about that. And that is, uh, for a lot of folks... maybe i'm included uh, a standard criteria for a field watch because when you're we've talked about this on the show before too when you're in a briefing above or something at you know 1900 it's nice to be able to right aka seven o'clock for normal assholes like us um it's nice to be able to look down and and reference that especially if you're not very very used to 24 hour time and some people are i'm not you're not because we live in oregon as civilians by and large most of the time so Mm -hmm. But yeah, so A17 um, adds a 24-hour track. I, this is what I think of when I think of a field watch, is that A17 dial with 12-hour Arabic big on the outside, 24-hour Arabic small on the inside. And that evolves right into these modern CWC or marathon watches. Mm-hmm. CWC being the, I think, maker of choice for British military. I think so. I don't know. I, I think so. Yeah. And, and marathon for, for United States. I do like marathons watches. They're cool. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I don't know that these are, for what you pay for them, I don't think that they're terribly well-specced. Like this, I'm looking at this, Pilot's Navigator with Tritium. This is a watch that I think Michael from Two Broke Watch Knobs owns and talks about pretty frequently. I I don't know if he has exactly this model or not, but, you know... It's a military for sure. You know, these maybe even have U.S. government written on the dial, or some of them do anyway. Marathon Pilots Navigator with Tritium WW194001SG-NGM, which I, I remembered that. I said that from memory. I didn't read it off the computer. No, he didn't. For... <laughs> you, you, you know, this has got a ETA F06-3 jewel quartz movement. You know, I don't know. These this isn't a this isn't really a watch that's got a modern specification. It's not cheap. It's a plastic watch for two hundred and thirty one bucks. Two hundred thirty two bucks. I'm not sure you're getting a ton of value here. You are getting that military pedigree. You're getting something cool. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if it's two hundred thirty two bucks a cool though. Well, and you know, we sort of eschew that rational thinking 
at, at times. Um, and I think we should. We should eschew the rational approach to watch collecting. But if, if we don't, if you get wrapped up into the, oh, well, it's not a great value for what I'm paying for, you know, I think that that can, I think that can make it harder to be a, a watch collector who really identifies with the pieces they collect. So some people are able to identify with a purely spec-based collection. I know I'm not. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's $232 a cool for someone. Yeah. Not for me. I don't own one, and I probably won't. Ah, I might pick one of these up sometime. If I find one used, I'll probably buy it. Yeah. That 150 mark, I'll probably... I think I can pay 150 bucks for it. You know, one of the uh, friends friends of the show, as they say, a fellow named Thomas here in town, um, picked up a, a JSAR or a CSAR, one of these search and rescue watches. Oh. Um, n- not too long ago, we were talking about it, and he said, yeah, I'm going to get one of these. Uh, it, it's not a military watch or even mm. really a field watch. Uh, you know, they're 1000 bucks. How, how, how great is the specification for that? And he got it and just didn't like it. I think he sold it. Um, and, and I think that's what happens if you if you wind up getting super into specs or you, know, you buy watches you like. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, buy watches you like. Uh, and sometimes you have to buy something to figure out you don't like it. But yeah, if, if you're chasing if you're chasing something and not being thoughtful about, which is not to say Tom was thoughtful when he bought this, but you, you know if you're buying something based on spec or some ideal and and not thinking about overall what works in your collection, then that can be a pain in the ass to have to buy a watch and sell it because you don't really like it. And I think his objection to it was it was tall in a way that he hadn't expected. And oh, yeah. It just didn't work for, for the way he wears watches. I'm pretty sure he sold that and got a Pelagos, which is freaking sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, that's what can happen. So That's part of the game. Yeah. So I know we've got – we each picked some, some options here for – Oh, yeah. So we, we... – pulled up some examples of field watches that either we like because we own them or field watches we're interested in just for those of you who are listening who are um in the market for a field watch or just who are listening to to learn about these types of watches i mean learning right alongside us but we pulled up a couple of options that that we think might fit and what do you got first the vostok komandersky cool choice man it's not it you know throw everything we said out the window because this isn't a not a military or at least a, you know allied forces mil spec watch mm-hmm. but totally fits right it absolutely fits the only thing that it's that stands out against a field watch for me is that it's got the it's got a rotating bezel which is functional it there there is value to a rotating bezel in the field watch application it is inexpensive it's I mean, relatively well built. I have yet to have any complaints about mine. We can't get the bezel off, so like that's <laughs> that's noteworthy. Yeah. Um, but it fits it. It's mine's forty millimeters. It's a. It doesn't wear big. It's hmm. a an eighteen millimeter. No, in fact, you telling me you saying it's forty millimeters right now blows my mind. I can't believe um, that. Yeah. It's comfortable. It's easy. To, it's easy to read. The loom sucks. Yeah. But. Vostok loom sucks, but that's that's just kind of the nature of the manufacturer. Um, it's it is a I think it fits perfectly into a field watch category. I've got it on a on a Bond NATO. I've got the the tank dial, and it it's it's a cool little it's a cool example I think of a of a field watch with a little bit more personality that doesn't it doesn't quite fit into my 
my self-created, self-imposed parameters for a field watch, but I don't see that it could be anything else other than a field watch. Yeah, no, it's certainly I, not a dress watch. It, it's not. No, I, I mean, but on that note, the, the you said one thing works against it being a field watch. The other thing that works against it being a field watch polished. Is, oh my God, they do the way the Russians do, and they just like took a a polishing wheel and hit every single surface of this thing until it bleeds it oozes reflection mm-hmm. um you, you know <laughs> before we started uh andrew mentioned this but before we started today we both tried and failed to get this bezel off because we wanted to to see if my am diver bezel would fit onto it um because i hate the bezel that's on this thing it's so stupid I, i'm as i'm sitting here i'm thinking what if you bead blasted this thing would you be into it yeah we should do it. I mean, you can pick these up for between $25 and $65, just depending on where you're picking it up. If you want if you want to buy it off Amazon, you're going to pay about $65. You go to eBay or some other, other vendor, you're going to pay $25-ish. There are hundreds of dial options. I mean, it's... Maybe, maybe not hundreds, but, but certainly quite a few. I don't know, man. I think there's got to be 100, at least. No. Nah. Um, I've watched a, a, a good handful of modding videos on these. They're, they're for the most part, really easy to change. All the Vostok parts fit each other. Right. I mean, it, it, the genius of that Vostok model is how they've been using the same shit for 40 years, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of works together, right? Now, obviously they've, they've modernized it as well. And, and it's an inexpensive field watch. I just, I don't think that it could fit any, I mean, I think correct me if i'm wrong tell me if i'm wrong i think this is a field watch i think it's a good example of a field watch yeah no i think you're right i i think you're right um you know with with those with those few sort of exceptions i mean it fits it fits the mold perfectly i'm kind of stoked about this bee blasting project i'm not sure you're actually going to offer it up when the time comes i watched a youtube video on bead blasting recently and they just basically got a compressor and made like a bottle fitting that fed sand into the <laughs> I'm, I'm like i'm like ready to go i'm into it we'll we'll just we'll do a we'll do a mod on this i mean you're reason... gonna have to pull the crystal or or mask off the crystal you're gonna have to pull the movement i'm um, i'm ready for it it, it costs not a lot not a lot yeah and if we fuck it up it's it's not heartbreaking to replace it right i mean we're i'm gonna mod it anyway does this have vostok's sort of patented ring style case back i say patented but they're you know the the same water resistance system from the amphibia i don't think so what kind of water resistance do you have with this guy I don't know right off the top of my head. It's not much. It probably says right there at the bottom in Cyrillic. And yeah, not English. <laughs> no, cool watch, man. I and I I love that watch even as much as I hate it. You you know, I've we've had this conversation a bunch of times, but it, you know, when I see it, I'm like, this is cool. And then you take a picture of it, and I'm like, that sucks. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 a a really enigmatic design, as are all of Vostok's offerings. Mm-hmm. They're they're enigmatic too to a point yeah they're quirky they're they're soviet they're soviet and, and you know this the soviet model was was so different than anything else in the 20th century mm-hmm. um you, you know they're reinventing the wheel in a lot of places so, sometimes effectively and sometimes less so but yeah no it's very that's right it's soviet yeah and a good example of a field watch 
Agreed. What you got? Agreed. I think the first one I'm going to talk about today is the Manchester Watchworks Rattler. This is a newish watch. So this was a Kickstarter, I think, middle of this year that is still in pre-order, I believe. It's a $329 for sure field watch. It's titanium. It's classically sized 37 millimeter, but with a 47 millimeter lug to lug. So I think it's going to wear a little bigger than that 37 millimeter um, oh, yeah. dimension is going to indicate uh, 20 millimeter lugs, which we love. Mm-hmm. I, I need to get more 20 millimeter watches. Every time I get a 20 millimeter strap, I'm like, what the heck do I wear this on now that I've got it? Um, Manchester Watchworks is a cool company. They are a, a company that, like, um, or Ryan watches uh, in some respects where the the fellow who started it got into the industry by modding his own watches and now they make these uh, they make this line of watches or several lines of watches that are uh, interpretations reinterpretations of either classic watches or you know watches that are just hard to get I, I, I put them in the same category as I would put Dan Henry watches mm-hmm. you know where they're making modern reinterpretations of hard to get watches this watch is a is an homage and and if you look at the two watches side by side you'll see it immediately of one of the seiko sus watches the the sus was a line it's not a military line of watches but rather it was seiko's aim uh or seiko's efforts to target a young audience post quartz crisis in the in the early 90s they introduced this line of watches that were specifically targeted at 19 to 22 year olds hmm. um and and it's hard to tell you know it's hard to put yourself back in time and see look at these sus watches and see how, how did that fit in that mold but obviously seiko has got a, a fantastic history of of providing people the watches they want but the the sus version this is based on i think is referred to as the 4s15 and it is an incredibly accurate um, reimagining of that. If you put the two side by side, you'll see it immediately. They've got that same whitish but sterile bezel. Um, that that original 4S15 is 35 millimeters, so this is a little bit more modern, a little bit modernized sizing, mm-hmm. which I think is great. It, it, if this is a 35 millimeter watch, it'd be too small, I think. Um, hundred meter, hundred meters of water resistance, NH35 movement, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's got a, you know, it's called the Rattler, and the logo is a sort of coiled snake in an S shape, which perfectly... Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect reinterpretation of the Seiko S mm-hmm. that was at the 6 o'clock region on these SUS 4S15s. It's a really cool watch, and it is for sure a field watch. You look at this thing, you can just tell it's a field watch. They come in black and silver, which is true to the original. Right. Um, great movement, NH35, nothing to say about that that hasn't been said over and over again um a little bit expensive not expensive but but you know it's 329 dollars, so you've got a little bit on the higher end of the affordable you you know you've got to give it the the value hand scale Mm -hmm. um yeah i i I dig it i think it's a really cool watch oh i i was gonna pull this thing up and i haven't done it so you could see it i assume you want to see it i do yeah oh i've seen that yeah i know what you're talking about you know, these are just really simple, really easy to like watches. I love the fact that it's titanium. Titanium works so nice. Uh, the weight of it is good. The way it patinas is good. This is a blasted case. I think titanium and blasting work really well together. The, the one thing I don't like about it, though, is that I feel like the case is a little bit thick relative to the dial size. 
Hmm. That's true. I, I mean, it's got a, a pretty hefty bezel. For me, that's part of the appeal. That, that's part of the reason I like this so much. Uh, I love that that wider bezel. It reminds me of uh, the Monta Triumph or, mm-hmm. you, you know, some of these. It, this is not a Genta watch for sure. But when I see that wide bezel, I think in my head, Genta design. Uh, I, I like it. I, I re- it really is attractive to me. But that's why we have 8 billion different watches because we're all different. Yep. Yeah, so I think that's it. I mean, I don't know that there's a lot more we need to say about it. All righty. Cool watch. Yeah. Next on the line, Loris. The RXD 425L8. Is there a nickname for this watch or it's just you got to say the whole damn thing? I don't know. Um, it's a watch that I just came across when I was looking at these. Because um, I was looking for titanium cased watches and this is one that i came across and it's a it's a cool color scheme it's just like a slightly off white with like a with turquoise accents in there uh and then the titanium case and it's got four strange recesses in the in the case like where the bezel would be that i'm not a huge fan of but it's definitely a cool field watch and it's is it a loom dial it looks like it i i don't know a whole lot about this watch I i i found a titanium case it's a it looks like a full loom dial, but everywhere I've been able to find it, it doesn't have a lot of information about it. Yeah, this this says it's a cream dial, which makes me think it's not loomed. That that's a feature they'd sell. But mm-hmm. It's a cool watch. Um, and it's it's ringing in at sixty one, sixty seven here at Watch Shop. Um, as always, we'll include this in the show notes, so I, feel free to pull up a link. I have had trouble finding uh, marketplaces that do ship to the United States, though. Oh yeah. Um. Will this one ship to the U.S.? Uh, this one says EU only. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, uh, if, if you're looking for field watches and you're outside of the United States and you're in the EU. Um, Which some huge percentage of the folks who are listening are. I know, um, you, you know, we've, we've got some of these. Shout out to our Scottish watch listeners. We've got a bunch of folks in Scotland, a bunch of folks in the U.K. Uh, who listen. and um, It's a great option for those guys. I'm not sure that we can get it. If we can, it's it's certainly on my list of it's on my watch list. <laughs> see what I did there? I do see what you did. That was good. Um, but anyway, it's a titanium <laughs> field watch. I mean, it's there's nothing special or really all that different about it. But what I liked about it was that it's a titanium cased watch for a really reasonable price. Yeah, you know, Loris and Pulsar both are are branches of Seiko or brands of Seiko. And I think that they do this thing really well. Uh, this very affordable, but well put together, attractive, n- not not bombastic, uh, just really easy to digest uh, styling. Mm-hmm. This is a great op- uh, I mean, titanium for for under a hundred bucks. Yeah, because you're gonna pay that much for a Timex Weekender, and it, it honestly doesn't look a whole lot different than a Timex Weekender or an Expedition. But you're getting a titanium case out of it. Will I take this over an expedition any freaking day of the week? Every day of the week. Yeah. 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 For cool. a similar price. Yeah. Yeah. And and 100 meters of water resistance. I I don't think you can say enough about that. That's, uh, for me, a feature I really like. And w- one of the watches I've looked at over time um, is the, the, the Hamilton Khaki King. Mm-hmm. I love that watch. I love that. We've talked about it. I can't remember what episode. But I love their the big day window at, yep. the, at 12 o'clock 
you know, I guess that's a field watch, not not a tr- not a real traditional field watch, but it, it fits in the mold. Uh, but that thing's fifty meters of water resistance, which just irks me. I I want. It's cause for concern. Yeah, if you're it, what I mean, really, a field watch should be capable of doing the things you're going to do in the field and and i know you and i have both had experiences where we got wet when we didn't otherwise expect to get wet really wet uh you you know wet wet. enough that if i was wearing a 50 meter watch i'd be concerned about it um you you know we have 50 meter watches on our lists today but looking at this watch seeing that 100 meters of water resistance i think that makes it really attractive if you're really using this in a field environment Mm -hmm. that's a that's a watch and at that price point that with titanium case, that's a watch that I'm comfortable wearing in any environment that I'm going to be in. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm into it. Good looking watch too. Those weird dots on the bezel. We we talked about that this week. They kind of bug me. I'm not sure what what the idea is there. Uh, I I I think it's decorative, but you might be right. It might be some sort of ability to take the bezel off. Why you would want to take the bezel off of this, I'm not sure. But for funsies. For funsies, right? It's a cool watch. I like the crown guard too. Yeah, yeah, crown guards. I don't. Crown guards are controversial. I'm not sure why. I always like them when I see them, especially they're they're done well done here. On a field watch, it makes sense. Yeah, totally. You're gonna bang it against stuff. Mm-hmm. Might as well protect that ground. Yeah. You got anything else? I do. So my next watch is a watch that I think embodies for most people that are are watch collectors or watch snobs. I think this watch really embodies what a field watch is. It's the Hamilton Khaki Mechanical. This is their newer, I want to say 2017, um, mechanical hand cranker hack watch is what I'd call this. Oh, did you did you read about the evolution of the, of the term hack? Mm-mm. So ha- hack is uh, a term that I've always been confused by. Like, what does that mean? What is hacking? Um, and, and maybe this isn't the evolution of it or the start of it, but I was reading about this uh anecdote from commander giving his soldiers u.s commander giving his soldiers instructions and what they would do is they would pull that crown out at 12 so everybody would pull the crown out when the second hand got to 12 they would then adjust their time to 2100 or whatever the the time was at the time and at the command of hack they'd plug them back in so then they're all synchronized they're all at 2100 and 00 seconds and the and the order was hack and so they plug them in now that could be a a misinterpreted evolution of that but it's such a it's such a cool thing it's something we would never do today because everyone's got a damn g-shock on um or or whatever right it sounds more legendary than true it might be i don't know maybe someone knows you can let us know but that was my understanding is that is the command that was given to all be synchronized was hack uh, hmm. and, and it makes sense it, it makes sense at least that that would be possible in in the way that watches were wristwatches in particular were really came to be it was in a military setting it would make sense that you'd have this term that referred to a military practice oh absolutely because that was i mean that's really where wristwatches gained traction and momentum was in military application at, at least for gentlemen right yeah prior to that w- women wore wrist watch yep. wrist watches but it was uh more masculine to have your watch in your pocket i mm-hmm. guess so yeah yeah the trench watch right that's yeah. the first sort of modern general appeal wristwatch. Mm-hmm. And, and whether you were in the military or not i can see well this is what the guys are wearing in the trenches so i'm gonna wear that too you know if you're a young kid or whatever 
you could see the appeal of that. Absolutely. Or even if you're an adult who you you bring the habit home. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So not yeah, Great War, right? Everybody fought in the Great War. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, or Shit, everyone fought World War Two. I mean, come that's on. right. I'm talking about a watch. Yeah, we were talking about the Hamilton, Hamilton Khaki King. Yeah, or Hamilton no, Khaki the, Mechanical. The mechanical yeah, right. So this is a Vietnam era field watch. So this is that um, 24 hour inner dial. I think the specification is GGW113. I think that refers to the NSN specification. Um, uh, again, this is going to be a Vietnam era modern sizing on this this is 38 by 47 by 20 millimeters on the lugs you know versus 34 millimeters of that original ggw113 spec they they have this thing with an eta 2801-2 i don't know a ton about that movement it is a 28,000 or 288 beats per hour movement which is great people love that that little bit smoother sweep of the the high beat 288 mm-hmm. movements um blasted case great size classic dial um not a whole lot of reason not to like this thing it's just such a cool simple interpretation of this watch that everybody has uh or or that everybody has done i really dig it You, you know i think the one thing i probably don't love about this watch is the strap it comes on um it's got the leather nylon combo that is an interesting choice to have leather keepers on a nylon strap like that i think it's actually got even a little bit more leather i think the end of the of the strap is is leather bound as well um i I would definitely pull it off this strap but but no reason not to right because this watch is going to go well on any of the natos we talked about last week you you know i would put this on an a2 from haviston in a second i'd oh yeah i'd put it on there 1936 and it would look killer on it it look it would it was made for that. That's right. Yeah, I think maybe maybe actually literally made not for this watch, but this style of watch. So Yeah. Yeah. You got one more? One more. What is it? A lady's watch this week. Whoa. Hey, yeah. ladies. Something I thought worth talking about is the ladies Bertucci reference M-1S. And it is a stainless steel ladies field watch. Uh, reminiscent of the Bertucci that we've already talked about this week. Um, it is a 30 millimeter case and ringing in on Amazon at 89.99 in the brown dial with a with a brown strap on it. And I showed this to my wife in in preparation for the show as I was talking about. It. I was like, "Hey, what do you think about this watch?" And she saw it and she was she was she was struck by it. She liked it. Um, and it, it's a it's another good looking field watch. And I think in in the realm of of women's watches there is typically a lot of unnecessary bling that goes along with women's watches or unruly size and i think this is a really good option for a field watch if you're looking if 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 you are a woman or you have a woman in your life who likes wearing watches um this is definitely worth looking at it's a good looking watch it's simple it's clean and Field watches look good almost always. Almost always, yeah. That's that's actually something we've talked about before, I think, but the field watch has the ability to to dual purpose better than than some watches. You know, it's it's great on a weekend, it's great out in the out in the field, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but if you wear it with a, a suit or a dress shirt, it's not gonna look terribly out of place, obviously depending on the the 
model of watch or, or the specific style but by and large these things i think they're they're one of the most if not the most versatile overarching style of watch that you can buy if you have to buy only a watch i think a field watch is probably your best bet yeah you could do a lot worse mm-hmm. you could do a lot worse I, I think there's some overlap with what i think of as as a modern sports watch whether that's the rolex explorer or you, you know if you're pulling in six figures or or um you, you know a seiko sarbo 35 if you're a, a humble watch collector such as ourselves mm-hmm. uh, but there's there's an argument to be made that those are our field watches you, you know maybe not the sarb 035 but the sarbo 17 the alpinest or, or the rolex explorer you, you know those were watches those are purpose designed alpinest or, or or mountaineering watches you know i'm much less emotionally prepared to bang up a $500 watch than I am a $100 watch. Sure, sure. No, this is a cool watch. I, I obviously own a Bertucci. We've talked about it a bunch on the show. Um, I don't own this watch. It's 30 millimeters, so it's it's diminutive. It's going to be small for most men's wrists, uh, unless you're going for something really specific. But outside of the size, I don't think that there's anything terribly feminine about this watch. The hands are kind of, I don't know, flower petal shaped? What would you call that? Yeah, almost kind of kind of petally shaped yeah but not not feminine really they're just they're softer yeah i I like it i I think if you had really small wrists um which i know some of our listeners do um this this is something you could get away with and and certainly like you said for that the woman you love in your life that you want to buy a a watch but who maybe isn't going to appreciate a an automatic or a mechanical watch Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to have to deal with that this is a really great option yeah and that case is cool too the the bertucci cases are cool the lugs on this are pretty long they're really long and i think i i i don't think they're as long as they look in the photo i think that 30 millimeter case makes the lug look a lot longer than it is i think they're probably standard length lugs do we have a dimension on these yeah i don't see it's a 16 millimeter bandwidth i don't see a lug to lug on this based on the 30 millimeter side to side dimension 35 lug to lug maybe 40 lug to lug oh i was thinking 45 but yeah maybe maybe between 40 and 45 so uh, cool watch yeah and i like the i like the gilt hands and uh, that simple printed dial neat neat font font that you don't see very often and actually i just noticed it the four o'clock date window love it yeah people freak out about that four o'clock date windows it's really well hidden in there Unless you know it's... I mean, I've looked at this watch half a dozen times this week, and that's the first time I'm noticing a 4 o'clock date window. I really like Bertucci's second hands. Mm-hmm. They're, they've got, I don't know, a shield shape where a, where a lollipop might be on the on the short side of the second hand, the balance side. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a little detail that they do that I think is pretty neat. Uh, it, it's unique to Bertucci as far as I know. Uh, I, I like it. Yeah. Bertucci Loom blows. Does it? I think that they fixed it. I, I, I my B two T, I think is the reference on that, is one of the very early models with their shield logo on it. They don't make it anymore, but the loom blows. I think subsequently they've started using better loom, uh, and and I don't know. Looking at this, if this has better loom, it doesn't say. Uh, but my experience with Bertucci loom has been less than less than positive but whatever you you get something you you win something you lose something yeah what about other things you got any other things you like i do 
We talked about it when I came in because I brought in a big Yeti tumbler today. Oh, yeah. I think it's a 32-ounce that I have. But I've had a 20-ounce Yeti tumbler for several years now. 20-ounce rings in at 30 bucks, And it is the most fantastic coffee mug that I have ever owned. It And this, this doesn't sound like a complaint, but my one complaint about it is if you pour fresh coffee out of the pot right into that mug, you can't drink it for half an hour. It's still too hot. <laughs> Yeah. And they they are just terrific. The, and and initially when they released them, they didn't have a a fully sealable lid, but now they've got the sliding closed sliding closable lid, so it can be tipped over and not spill. But if you're looking for a coffee mug, if you do, if you drink, if you just drink coffee, it is such a good coffee mug. They keep your coffee so hot. They keep cold drinks and ice. I mean, it's a Yeti product, so they're they're designed to keep ice for basically eternity i absolutely love mine i can't recommend them enough to somebody who's looking for a quality stainless steel coffee mug to keep their coffee hot when they're driving going to work keep their beer cold at night and it and that's the nice part about it too is it can transition from keeping your coffee hot to keeping your soda cold to then keeping your beer cold it's a full day of drinking in one mug and i absolutely love it and there's other companies like arctic and and a handful of other companies that make probably pretty comparable mugs. I've never tried them personally. What I can say is that the Yeti tumblers that I have, and now the 32-ounce and the 20-ounce, are just, they're perfect. I love it. And this is a, a thing that became ubiquitous a number of years ago um, with everybody, people who, who were drinking ice drinks or, or hot drinks or whatever. I, I haven't personally I haven't personally owned one. Um, but, but like you said, right, I think that they were so good that everybody and their mother decided to make their own version. Mm -hmm. I, I've got a, uh, tumbler, what I'd call a tumbler. It's a little bit smaller than yours from sort of pre Yeti tumbler days, or at least my awareness of Yeti tumbler days. It's a clean canteen, clean, mm -hmm. the clean canteen, their vacuum sealed coffee mug. It's got a pretty simple plastic lid. It's not at all waterproof, nothing like that. Um, if you if you tip it over, it's going to leak. But it does the same thing in terms you were talking about. If you put a hot hot coffee in it, you can't drink it for a period of time. Mine's the same way. I, if if I want to drink a cup of coffee before work, I have to put it in my coffee cup, do some stuff, and then pour it into my mug so that it's mm -hmm. cool enough to drink on my way to work. Uh, really cool. What what is the price on those things? Uh, the twenty ounce is thirty bucks. Well, that's not terrible. No. If we're if we're talking Christmas gifts, it's still a season. Sure, buy it for the coffee drinker in your life. Buy it for you. Yeah. Drink beer out of it. Drink anything out of it. I like it. You you know what I like about that versus the Contigo coffee mugs that everybody really likes. Those things have their the, the drinking mechanism it's on those. It's not good. You either get not enough, or it or you get that that air bubble just right that it it launches. <laughs> coffee into your mouth and you burn not just your mouth which i do anyway but it burns your throat i have burned your, my your esophagus, esophagus <laughs> and then your stomach lining yeah like well and and there's a lot of moving parts too it just seems like a, a liability uh in terms of cleaning you, you know if you can't if i can't see inside of the drinking mechanism and see where microbes or mold is likely to build up then i i don't have quite as much certainty i like the fact that you can open that thing up and see everything that's going to touch what you're drinking mm-hmm versus that contigo you know i don't know what it I is. i have one of those also 
you, you know, if you, you certainly don't want to drink any anything with milk or Mm-mm. something that's going to tend to go bad. Definitely no bulletproof coffee in that. It, even if it's just, what's bulletproof coffee? Coffee with butter. Have you ever heard of this? Fuck it's like no. butter and uh, coconut oil. And then there's another oil that people like to put into it. But I tried it for a long time. And the whole premise is that you're getting a big blast of fat in the morning that helps your brain wake up. And it's like this grass-fed English butter that people like to use. And then coconut oil and a couple other things that gets healthy fats into your body first thing in the morning. How have I missed this trend? I don't know. All right. It's years old. But the one thing I didn't like about it was that you had to put your coffee in a blender with those other and and maybe i'm wrong this is what i found to be the best method i had to put it in the blender to get everything well emulsified and and mixed in to the coffee and then re-microwave it because it's tripping in the blender cool it down so much that i was drinking lukewarm coffee but then also your last sip of coffee pure garbage it's just butter slick interesting well that's that's different You, you know one of the things i like about morning stuff is ease of use you know i know people that do smoothies in the morning i I have a really hard time getting into that because there's so much that goes into making a smoothie it doesn't have to be difficult but it it winds up being just difficult enough that i don't stick with it so certainly putting coffee in a blender to add butter is not something that's going to work with my morning routine so not mine either so i don't do it well so i only have one thing uh other thing i like to talk about this week and this this actually wasn't in the original plan but uh, I added it. I, I mentioned I went to the ballet last night with Kim and the kids, and they the, the ballet was Babes in Toyland, but they the music they used was Duke Ellington's The Nutcracker. I was stunned by how much I enjoyed the music. You, you know, Duke Ellington obviously is is one of the the most famous names in jazz music, and he composed a full album based on Tchaikovsky's The Nutcracker, and it is wonderful. It's terrific terrific so we were listening to it before we started recording because i was like you got to hear this um you you know in my house and i assume there's a similar story in your house we start playing christmas music because my wife is a christmas music addict Mm -hmm. so you know come november 1st 20th or so my wife will start playing christmas music in the house which i'm fine with it doesn't bother me uh I'd probably personally start a little later if I December twenty second. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a lot of Mariah Carey. Yep. A lot of Michael Bublé. Yep. Both of whom I really love. I, Mariah Carey, man, I'm into it. This is sort of my jam. I don't know if you're picking this up, but Andrew's stomach is making a ton the of noise right now. Way, the wildest noises. <laughs> uh, so this is Christmas music. Uh, Tchaikovsky, Nutcracker. There is no doubt about it. This is Christmas music, but it is Duke Ellington jazz, no vocals, uh, or maybe there's some really limited vocals, but it's Duke Ellington jazz album that you could listen to any time of year. Tchaikovsky, brilliant composer with a Duke Ellington spin, his great sort of full jazz chorus really cool and such a, a, a different option from the the standard fare you could put this album on and just play it and and enjoy it and not have to be encumbered by the trappings of of but it still feels like christmas music it, it is christmas music but not not in that uh sort of saccharine nasty yeah 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 I, lo- I love it uh r- really neat fun fun option if you're getting tired of listening to all i want for christmas is you for the four billionth time super cool 
Yeah. Do it. What else have we got? I think that's it for us. All right. Well, I wish you well. You know, we don't usually see each other during the week, or if we do, it's for a a, a small period of time. So these weekends are our, our main time together. So, Andrew, I wish you a good week. I hope your sickness gets better. Me too. And to you as well. Thanks. And all of you, thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Please have a good week as you go around your, go about your Christmas shopping or or pre-Christmas or holiday activity. Godspeed. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Bumming on Tremolo by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.